Today's scripture reading is in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to send one home with you today. And you can find those on the tables just through those doors. Again, Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, again, good morning and welcome to uh, Christ Community Church. My name is Nathan. It's good to be with you on this uh, beautiful uh, sunny morning, finally. I thought, I told Kelly last night, if the sun doesn't come out soon, I'm going to lose my mind. So thankfully we get a little sunshine today. I'm, I'm overjoyed about that. So glad you're here. Let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll look together at God's word. Let's pray. Father, I'm so grateful uh, for the beauty of this morning, uh, even in the midst of the cold. God, the beauty of the snow, the beauty of the sunshine. God, in the beauty of this place, of your people gathered together in your name. So God, I pray that you would speak to us God, that you would use me beyond my abilities. God, that you would take these, these things by your Holy Spirit and root them deep into our hearts to change us, to grow us, to help us be who you want us to be. We love you, Jesus. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I still remember my very, very first sermon at, at Christ Community, uh, which was almost like my first sermon Ever. I mean, it's pretty, pretty close there. Uh, it, was, it was June 26, 2005. Some of you were there. I'm sorry if you were. Um, and, you know, I had been on, on staff maybe, like, I think it was my fourth Sunday on staff. Uh, there we are. Look at us. Kelly looks the same. I look at that and be like, what happened to my face? That's why I just, I don't... I don't know what happened. Um, we, we were just kids, but like, you know, I'd been staffed less than a month. I was a pastoral resident, so part of our, our training thing and all, and all of that. Uh, and we only, we only had one campus back then, so this was outside of our, our Leewood campus, right? That was our original space. That's, that's where it was. And I, I'd essentially grown up there, at least since, since high school. Uh, and so I was, you know, to, to like first sermon there, this church that had meant so much to me growing up. Like, I was so excited, but I was like absolutely terrified. And, like, to add to that, like, it didn't help when I found out that, you know, I wasn't asked to preach that Sunday necessarily because anybody believed in me, but because all the other pastors were on vacation. Um, I didn't know that, but that's kind of how it happened. I was like, I'm the only one here. Great. Uh, So they were just desperate, right? Uh, And and again, like, some of you, a few of you, I think, uh, were were there uh, as well, and, you know... um, yeah, I, I'm sure it was just absolutely awful. Uh, but like, like 18 months later, uh, like some of you would actually come with and help us start this place. And if, that, if that's you, that means like 15 years, you've had to suffer through some really bad preaching, right? <laughs> 
Like, there's been some bad ones out there. Like, you will never get those hours back, okay? Um, and let me, let me say, like, in the midst of that, I know this to be true. Like, no matter how bad or boring or just difficult to hear some of them have been, no one has ever tried to murder me afterwards, right? I mean, there, there have been Sundays where I've left and I've been afraid of my inbox, like I'm not going to check my email for a few days kind of thing. There have been Sundays when I've left and wondered if anybody would ever possibly come back the next week. Frankly, there have been Sundays when I wondered if I would come back the next week, right? But I've never left wondering if after a sermon I was going to be dragged up to the side of a cliff and shoved off and then stoned to death. I mean, what kind of sermon would you have to preach to merit that response? Well, Jesus shows us, because that's what happens in this story today in Luke. In fact, this is Jesus' very first sermon recorded in the Gospel of Luke. His first one, and it almost gets him killed. Which I think, like for many of us, is just absolutely unthinkable, right? Because we picture, we picture Jesus so tame and cuddly, right? Like, why would anybody want to kill this guy? Like, why, why would we possibly hate, hate him? You know, we, we understand that we may not all believe in him, but most of us at least respect him, right? Good teacher and whatnot. We kind of put him in that category, and it's okay. You see, what we've done, essentially, is like we, we've scooped up all the things that we like about Jesus. You know, love, forgiveness, do unto others, heaven, be true to yourself. Is that Jesus or is that High School Musical? I can't remember. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, like we scoop it all together, the things we like about Jesus, the things that we make up about him and just assume about him, and, and we create this sort of image of this Jesus who looks just like us, right? Bacon-wrapped Jesus, I mean, he's delicious. He affirms everything about you. Like, he likes all the same people, hates all the same people, right? Everything that you do, he affirms. I mean, like, this Jesus is great. He's just not the real, real Jesus, right? And that's not the Jesus we rediscover in Luke. And a passage like this reminds us of the volatile response people have to him. Because in fact, what we, what we see here in this Jesus' first sermon in Luke, what we see in the real Jesus is that the real Jesus is easy to hate. Man, he is easy to hate. In fact, if, you, if you've never wanted to murder Jesus, there's a good chance you've not taken him very seriously. Because he confronts us. He points out who we really are, what we need most, Right? The real Jesus is easy to hate. And so you have, if you haven't already, turn to, to Luke chapter 4. His debut sermon, it's killer, right? Let me read it again, beginning in verse 16. And Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. Again, it's like hometown, right? You can add that to it. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 
Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I mean, it's beautiful, right? Like, who doesn't want that? This this is Isaiah 61. Jesus is, is reading this portion of the Old Testament. I mean, it is a picture of the holistic mission of God. Like Jesus saying, like, that is why I'm here to preach good news to the poor. I'm gonna set free the captives, give sight to the blind, release the oppressed. I am here, Jesus says, for those who need me most. And this is, this is really important for us to take note of because often I think we, when we think of what, why Jesus came, we, we sort of put him in this one sort of narrow category. He came to, to save souls so that we can all sort of escape earth and go to heaven when we die. But it's so much more than that, right? Jesus says, no, I'm here to build a kingdom, to establish a kingdom on this earth that will one day be renewed, that begins even now. A world where everything's made right, where justice and joy rule the day. And who wouldn't want that? But this is, this is where it starts to get ugly. Verse, verse 20. And Jesus rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Wait, what? I mean, you got to be kidding me, right? At at first, like, you know, the first couple minutes of this, they're like nodding along, right? He's reading that passage, and they, I mean, he's probably getting a few amens, okay? And then Captain Obvious speaks up, hey, wait a second, isn't this Joseph's son? I bought my table from you, right? He was a carpenter. I never liked that table, right? I mean, dude, we, we, we know who you are, and you think you're going to bring this kingdom. What a joke. It's absolutely offensive. And Jesus, he knows what's going on, right? And so verse 23, he begins to respond, and he, and he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What Jesus is saying there is like that the response he's getting from them is like, is like they're saying to him, hey, doc, why don't you heal yourself? Like, you think, you, you, think you're, you think we're sick? You're the sick one, right? Fix us, fix you, right? And so Jesus says, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. I mean, it'd be a little bit like if I stood up here and said, you know, everything that's wrong with Kansas City, I'm gonna fix it. I'm gonna do that. You watch me. What Isaiah wrote about, it was about me. Like, if I, if I said those words, like, and meant them, like, everyone here, you'd roll your eyes, you'd walk out, and you'd never come back, right? And, and rightfully so, right? You might, you might want it to be true. I mean, gosh, I guess that'd be great. But you'd be like, hey, Nathan, like, we know you, okay? You're not that big a deal, and frankly, you've got problems, right? But Jesus... And here, I think, is the first reason they hate him. We're going to look at three of these. The the first one, and and, and I think why we sometimes hate him as well. You see, we like the idea of Jesus, 
as long as we don't have to listen to him. We like the idea of the kingdom of God. I mean, good news to the poor, liberty for the, for the captives and oppressed. I mean, and you got to keep in mind, like Israel, they are oppressed right now. They are, they are, you know, subjected by the powerful Romans. Like they have been longing for someone to come and to fulfill this passage, to build this kingdom. And in our own ways, we also long for this kind of restoration, Right? And we like the idea of forgiveness and of patience and love and Jesus making wrongs right. But Jesus isn't just saying this world needs a new kingdom. I think every one of us would agree with that. Like, whether you're a Christian or not, I think we'd all say, yeah, actually, this world could use a serious upgrade. We know that. But Jesus isn't just saying that this world needs a new kingdom. He's, he is saying, I am here to be the new king. He is saying that he is the one. He's not just, just saying, you know, there, there are a few poor folk out there, right? Imprisoned, blind, oppressed people. I'm going to heal them. Wouldn't that be nice, right? No, he's, he is saying, like, he's implying with this passage that actually, that, that actually describes all of us in some way. That all of us are poor, imprisoned, blind, oppressed, in need of his healing. And you see, we may want his kingdom, course we do. We just don't want him to be king. Like, I want to be my own king, right? And I certainly don't want to acknowledge that I fit in with those who need him most. The hurting, the oppressed, the downtrodden. I don't want that to be me. I mean, I think this is why we continually try to give Jesus this makeover, right? We, we, we assume, you know, when we read the hard parts of the scriptures, we say, well, he didn't really mean that right? And we assume, well, of course he affirms everything about what I think and believe already, right? Of, of course he loves my political party, and, and when he talked about sex or forgiveness or selflessness or sell everything you have and give it to the poor, of course he meant somebody else, right? That wasn't for me. And this might just be the easiest way to hate him, Yes, I'll take your kingdom, your blessings, please and thank you. Make mine a double. Just don't tell me what to do. Listen, and this is so hard for us. It is possible to hear the good news and hate the one who gives it. It is possible to hear salvation and hate him with everything inside us because they want his kingdom but they do not want him as king. Will we make the same mistake? Go back to the story. And so they're, they're marveling at him, Luke says, right? Which is not, by the way, a compliment, okay? In fact, when, when Luke uses that word marveling, it's more like they're, they're like surprised and a little bit shocked. It's like they're amazed, but they want to kind of like keep it distance. There's like a, a bit of a, a cynicism that comes behind it. And Jesus, he knows, he knows what they're thinking. And so verse, verse 23 again, this is Jesus sort of explaining what's going on in that moment, telling us what they're, what they're thinking. Jesus says, what we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. It's sort of like, so Luke hasn't recorded any, any of Jesus' miracles yet. 
but they, they've been happening. Like, and the rumors are beginning to spread, and they, they know that. And so it's like, yes, we, we know who you are. Like, we know you're that carpenter. But we also, like, we've heard these crazy things about you, Jesus, that, like, you're, you're doing things. And so they're like, I mean, so you're, I mean, you're going to do something for us, Jesus? Like, if you're going to do it for Capernaum, for crying out loud, you're certainly going to do it for your hometown, like, home field advantage, Jesus. Like, we want to see a miracle. We want to receive a miracle. I mean, dance, monkey, right? Give us a trick, Jesus. And then maybe, maybe we'll let you be our king, maybe. And you can tell, like, Jesus is super excited about this, right? Like, this is how he wants to perform. I mean, the reality is, Jesus will do a miracle in this story. His first recorded miracle in Luke, right after his first recorded sermon, he gives them a miracle. He leaves. I mean, think about that. Jesus' first recorded miracle in the Gospel of Luke is him leaving the people who reject him. He mysteriously escapes before they can murder him. That's his miracle. And then the very next story in Luke is Jesus doing miracles in Capernaum. He's not going to be anybody's monkey. But what's, like, what's happening here? What's going on behind this? Why do they hate him, and how can you and I sometimes be similar? Well, I think it's this. Like them, we like to marvel at Jesus as long as we can manage him. Again, we don't, we don't really want him to be king, right? But we do want him to impress us, don't we? I mean, God, if you would just show yourself, just prove yourself, like, then I'll trust. Like, then, then I'll do it. But, like, here's the deal. Like, Jesus isn't interested in opening a show on Vegas. It's not why he came. He didn't come to entertain us. He came to save us. He didn't come for our applause, but for our allegiance. And he didn't come to make your life easier but to make it whole. Now, this this doesn't mean Jesus won't give you a miracle. I realize some of us have been praying for that for a really long time, right? For a health concern or a relationship, an issue of loneliness or depression, like, and you you ache for it, and you've been praying for it. I've got my list too, and so yes, keep, keep praying. But I have to ask myself, in light of passages like this, do I want Jesus the things that I like about him and the things that I don't, right? In all of his mystery and holiness, do I want Jesus or do I want stuff from Jesus? Because here's the deal. If you only go to Jesus for stuff, even legitimate stuff, like those things that are real concerns that you pray about, but if that's all you ever go to him for, there's a really good chance you're going to end up hating him. If all you want is to manage him, it's quite possible you're going to end up wanting to murder him. But if you go to him for good news on his terms, but eventually you will see him. And someday, in some way, whatever it is you long for most, it will somehow be made up to you on his terms.
Yeah, okay. But isn't it still a little bit surprising that they want to kill him after all this? It's like, okay, I don't really like any of those things, but I'm not, I'm not ready to murder the guy. But it's actually, I think, what Jesus says next that just destroys them. Like, it's, it's been bad enough up to this point, but this last thing, this is like the last straw for them. Because sensing their rejection of him, again, Jesus knows what's going on here, and so sensing all that they're about to do, he tells them two quick stories from the Old Testament. It's during the time of, of Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament. And let you, like, you need to know, like, this was like one of the worst times in Israel's history. Like, they, the God's people had rejected God, and by and large, most of them were worshiping Baal instead. So to the wicked God of the Babylonians. Like, they'd given their allegiance, everything, to, to them. I mean, it was, it was a bad, bad time in Israel. And so Jesus says, in verse 25, he says, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Are you following this? What he's, what he's saying is, is God, God sent Elijah to one particular widow. He could have sent him to any number of widows. But he chooses, he chooses this one. She and her son were starving. They were, they were near death. And they were in Zarephath. So they, they were not Israelites. Like they were outsiders. And even more than that, the land of Sidon, that was like considered the very center of Baal worship. So this, this person, this was the last person that you would expect would ever have anything to do with God. But she trusts Israel's God. Even, even when Israel didn't trust him, and, and she feeds Elijah, right? And miraculously, like the food for her and her son, they, it, never, it never runs out. And so Jesus is saying, like, there were lots of widows. God could have sent Elijah to any number of them. But the ones in Israel were rejecting him. And so God sent Elijah to the one who would receive him, an outsider, foreigner, like in the heart of that dark place, and she was rescued, not them. And in case they didn't catch it from that example, then he tells them another story, verse 27. Oh, and also, there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And this people, this is even worse, because Naaman Naaman was an enemy of God's people. He was commander of the army of Syria, and he was a leper. So not just an outsider, he is a filthy enemy. And God could have healed any of the sick in Israel. But they rejected him. And so God chooses Naaman instead. And now they hear Jesus loud and clear. Now they understand what's going on because they, they had assumed, like I think probably most of us in this room, that we, we assume that when Jesus says good news, well, of course that's for us, right? It's got to be for us. And again, they, they were longing for it. They were oppressed by the Romans like in so many ways. Like this, this was for them. And yet Jesus says very clearly, not so fast. Not if you reject me. Instead, it may be for literally anyone else. 
enemies, outsiders, the cast aside and unwanted. And, and really one of the most beautiful things about the Gospel of Luke, more than any of the Gospel writers, is that Luke shows us time and again who responds to the message of Jesus. And nine times out of ten, it's the people you wouldn't expect. It is the unwanted and the unloved. It is the tax collectors and sinners, prostitutes. It's, it's, yes, it's, it's Jews, but it's also foreigners, outsiders, Gentiles, men and women responding, the poor. It's the Naamans and the widows. And we'll, we'll see that as we rediscover Jesus over and over again in this, this story. And so Jesus, he's saying to them, those the world dis- disregards, those are the ones I'm going to pursue. And he says, even to his own hometown, if you don't receive me, I will find plenty of people who will. And so verse 28, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff, probably to stone him. But passing through their midst... He went away. Jesus is easy to hate. We like the idea of him, as long as we don't have to listen to him. We like to to marvel at him as long as we can manage him. And we like the love of Jesus as long as we get to decide who's in and out. I mean, we love his love, don't we? We love it! And we just kind of assume, well, I get first dibs, right? Of course, I'm me. Uh, My people get second dibs. And then, you know, anybody else that I don't really care for, they, you know, they either get completely left out or they have to go to the back of the line, right? But here's the thing. Jesus loves people you don't love. Even the people that you can't stand. And that is going to tempt us to hate him. He loves Americans and non-Americans. Those who are born here and those who weren't, those who look like us and those who don't. He loves Donald Trump and everyone debating to take his job. He loves them. He loves the abused and the abuser, victim and victimizer, bully and bullied. Rich, poor, gay, straight, the person who cut you off in traffic, the kid who's smarter than your kid, who gets more playing time than your kid, right? Whoever, whoever it is you can't get along with, right, that you just can't stand or have hurt you or that you've written off. He even loves the 49ers. <laughs> of course, we know he's a Chiefs fan, so it's, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> But people, like, we love dividing lines, don't we? We love trying to figure out who's in and who's out as long as we're in. But Jesus is saying here that if if we do that, we are at risk of casting ourselves out forever. That if we reject his love towards others, we just might reject his love toward us. For when Jesus says, again, I mean, listen to these words. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me 
Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is both a gift to us, because that, that is who we are, right? We are the ones in need. We don't have what it takes. We need someone outside of us to rescue us. So yes, it is an invitation to us, but it's also an invitation for us to join him. That Jesus is saying to his people, join me in this work of redemption for, for hurting and for the, for the oppressed, for those so easily disregarded. And that if we refuse him, there's little else for us to do than to drag him to the top of a cliff and shove him off. Jesus is easy to hate. I think my fear for us this morning, my fear for me, and, and for all of us, as we try to rediscover Luke, right, in these pages, I mean, we're still just in the early parts here. Um, we're going to be in Luke for a long time. And my fear is that we're going to hear all this, and throughout this series, like, we're going to come face to face with the real Jesus. Not the one that we imagine, not the one that we wish was there, not the, not the characters that we get from around us, right, or the one that we've made into our own image. But hopefully the real Jesus as written about by the Gospel of Luke is that we're going to get one good look and we're going to let him just sort of pass through our midst. And he's going to walk, walk on by and we're going to be pushing him away from us. Instead, church, like no matter what we find in these pages, let's listen to him. No matter how hard it is, no matter how much we don't like it, no matter how much it confronts us or our cultural sensibilities, let's listen to him. And church, let's stop trying to manage him, you know, thinking, you know, I'm going to follow him as long as my life is good, right? As long as I get to generally do whatever I want. As long as he answers my prayers when I need him to. And church, Let's love who he loves. And let's join him on his mission of redemption for all people. And if we do, I love how the Gospel of John sums this up. John writes, Jesus came to his own and his own people did not receive him. That's what we just saw, right? They didn't receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. May that be true of us. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father, we ask that you would do that work in us. God, I, I pray that we would be confronted by who you are as we study this gospel. The things that we like and the things that we don't, the things that we assume and the things that we wish weren't there, God, I pray that we would see you for who you are and that we would believe that your way is better, even, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't like it. God, I pray that you would give us a heart for all people like your heart. God, that we would love who you love, that we would pursue who you pursue, and that as we see this time and again in Luke, God, that our hearts would expand for those who aren't like us. Help us be a part of that incredible mission, God, that kingdom that you are building and one day will fully build. Help us to trust you in the midst of all of that, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.